morning, everyone. I'm back. How much did you miss me, Stan? Oh, so much. So I missed much. You. I know. This big, this much. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had I had a lot of fun up at the Republican convention. Uh, a lot of fun. Oh. The stories I'm going to tell you, but that'll be in the 4 o'clock hour. So, yeah, I have a great show planned for you today. Of course, um, not to bring you down right away, we are going to talk a little bit about suicide because the suicide rates are skyrocketing. We've had a couple of big names who committed suicide this past week. I want to talk just a little bit about what we can do to those people who are battling demons. And it's a... Uh, an awful, tragic situation, but there are things that we can do. So, uh, yeah, you won't want to miss that part. Andy Selick, Minnesota Voters Alliance. I know every week I talk, every week I talk about how excited I am and how this week I'm sure our Supreme Court ruling is going to come down. I'm sure of it. And every week John Gilmore laughs at me and says, no, it's not happened until the end of June, Sue. Not till the end of June. Uh, but Andy Selick and the folks at the Minnesota Voters Alliance, they're not just sitting around like me waiting waiting for the opinion to come down they have been very busy and they're actually going to be in court in a couple weeks and they want us to pack the place so we'll get an update from andy selick coming up here at the bottom of the hour uh plus oh my gosh i have such a long list you know dins minnesota always provides me a very long list of contenders for out of control politicians and bureaucrats i don't know if it's because i was gone last week or if it's because there there was just an exceptionally long list of stupid out there this week. But there's no exception because this week the highlights are going to include the St. Paul Public Library, the Minnesota Board of Soil and Water, Ramsey County, Minneapolis, the Met Council, and a few more that I'll try to throw in there. All as, of your favorite groups. Uh, oh, I know. I know. There's just a plethora of things that I could <laughs> could mock them for. But I'll tell you, you aren't going to want to miss the 4 o'clock hour. The 4 o'clock hour... Uh, I, I told you I was at the GOP convention last week up in Duluth. Uh, Sean Toll was at the DFL convention in Rochester, so he's coming in in the 4 o'clock hour. He's going to tell us about about the DFL, and it's just crazy. It is just so crazy. The DFL took a hard left turn, a hard, hard left turn, and I think most people wouldn't even be able to recognize what the Democrats have become. Uh, their crazy, chaotic DFL endorsing convention was unbelievable, which made the last two days of filing even more unbelievable. They had an endorse. The Democrats had an endorsing convention that failed to endorse or unify. Uh, Sean will give you our, his perspective. Uh, he writes for Checks and Balances. Uh, great. You should check out his blog posts. They're just amazing talking about some of the things that happened. Uh, down at the DFL convention. Plus, I'll fill you in on what happened at, at the endorsing convention up in uh, Duluth. No surprise, uh, Palenti was a no-show. You know, he's been gone for eight years, and done in that eight years did nothing to help elect Republicans, did nothing to help Minnesota Republicans get elected, did nothing to pay down the party debt in Minnesota. And then he pops back in and says, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, you remember me? I want to be the governor. And, oh, yeah, I'm not showing up at your endorsing convention. He'll show so, up at the primary though yeah he will we'll and he's goes. gonna lose he'll lose he's gonna lose big time i'll tell you the um there are a few primaries for on the republican side 
Uh, none of them will be anything too interesting. But the Democrats was well, a surprise. Oh I mean, they're gosh. usually always the first to back each other up and do this and do that. But they never really not had. Not quite. Not quite. They Stan. haven't been. Think back to Governor Dayton. Remember, he was not the endorsed candidate. They wouldn't even let him on the floor of the Democrat convention. And he said, OK, fine. Um, give the endorsement to whoever you want, and I'll take that person out in the primary. And he did. He, Margaret Anderson Kelleher was the endorsed Democrat candidate, and he mopped to the floor with her. But this time her. they didn't even have that, and then they're having more that are going to be joining the primary, which you'll get to. So. I know. It's just, it's just so crazy. This crazy political matter that we're seeing in Minnesota, it's going to be watched across the United across the United States. There is going to be so much money poured into Minnesota. If you thought we saw a lot of political ads before, hey folks, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, BuzzFeed had an article that went up right after the DFL endorsing convention. They quoted one Minnesota Democrat strategist as a poop show. Well, they used a different yes, word. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the end of filings on Tuesday, Minnesota Democrats were facing a six-way primary for attorney general in August and a surprising eight-way inter-party battle for U.S. Representative Keith Ellison's seat and a three-way primary for the open governor's seat. The, some Democrats and a lot of Republicans described it as a dumpster fire for the Minnesota DFL party. It had lots of people wondering, what does this mean for Minnesota Democrats in such a pivotal election year? It is truly, uh, longtime DFL analysts said, it is truly remarkable that we are seeing divisions of the DFL come out during a year when we should be united against what's going on in Washington and getting ourselves organized. He said the DFL Hunger Games is well underway. And a lot of people are saying, you know, the divisions inside the Democrat Party in Minnesota is going to decide the direction of the party going forward. And a lot of people thought the Democrats were going to try to be more moderate and be more centrist and win back the rural and independent voters that they've lost in the last election cycle or two or three or four. Um, or do they embrace the new voters and the and the activists that are in the party now and double down on their progressive platform. I'll tell you what they're doing, and, and we'll cover this in the 4 o'clock hour. They are tripling and quadrupling down on on the progressive platform. It is just absolutely crazy. So the DFL took a hard shift to the left. They are very divided. The primaries are coming up in August. That's, what, 8, 9 Weeks away, Tina Smith just released her first TV ad. Folks, there's going to be so much money. I'm not even going to watch TV in <laughs> July and August until the August 14th primary. And I've told you before, I stopped voting Democrat about 15 years ago. They make my life harder. I'll take Trump. I'll take a Republican over a progressive, socialist, collectivist, authoritarian, so nanny state activist, um, anybody masquerading as a politician. Hell no. <laughs> I am a never Palenti. And I just looked at the ballot. Do you know there are two... <laughs> but you're going to have to. You can't vote for the Democratic there, Socialists. There are two Libertarian candidates on there. And I'm going to see if I can get them on the show. Uh, Mary O'Connor, who I love, 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 is the lieutenant governor candidate on there. And yes, I tend to vote... Uh, Republican. But I got kind of mad. Remember years ago, Norm Coleman came out and said um, when he was 
I don't know, something to do with ANWR or renewable energy or something. And he said, whatever. What, who else are the Republicans going to vote for? I'll tell you who else I'll vote for. Anybody but somebody who's a big government Republican. It's crazy. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I want to talk a little bit about suicide. And I know this is a, is a depressing topic, but this is something that's touched my life. And I just want to spend a, a few minutes on this. Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and Twin Cities Newstalk.com. In 2016, 745 suicides were reported in Minnesota. That trend continues. That's an upward trend that began in 2010 when the number of suicides was 606. Just this past week, the CDC released staggering data on the rise in suicides across the United States. And the bottom line, folks, is it's up to all of us, each and every one of us, to reach out to those we love to try to help them fight against their demons. And I know everybody out there probably has somebody, uh, knows somebody, knows the family that that where suicide has touched their their lives, and it is devastating. You know, I think back to a show I did on suicide. This was several years back. Stan, you probably remember this. I asked the stupidest question I've ever asked on radio, and it was a woman whose whose child had committed suicide, and I asked if if her heart ever healed, and she said no, and and I truly believe that. I I just don't know how you could, and it was a young child too, uh, but these CDC numbers are absolutely staggering, and we've been told that to combat suicide, we have to be more proactive in treating mental health problems, but I want to point out that our society has never, ever, ever been more aware or more proactive about mental health problems than ever, ever, ever before, and, and when you look at the things that are happening, especially under Mark Dayton, Mark Dayton's thrown hundreds and hundreds of millions millions of dollars towards mental health and obviously nothing's changed because they just threw boatloads of money at it and they're not even make sure it's doing anything to help anyone but uh, the U.S. suicide rate adjusted for age rose 24 percent between 1999 and 2014 the suicide rate rose sharply in 2006 which coincides with the economic downturn uh, that was a rough recession that hurt a lot of people. And yes, the suicide rates did go go up then. But the increases weren't limited by age or gender. They rose for men and women and for all ages from from 10, age 10. Think about that. Age 10 to age 74 among women, the most affected by increased suicide rates were girls aged 10 to 14, and for men, not surprisingly, middle-aged white men, 45 to 64. The most frequent method of suicide in 2014, which was the last year they had numbers available for, was for men was firearms. For women, it was poisoning. And, uh, yeah, they they managed to find a way to succeed in, in committing suicide. Channel 5 had, you know, everybody was hearing about Kate Spade and everybody was hearing about the CNN chef and everybody's talking about Robin Williams and and all of this kind of stuff. But Channel 5 
had a picture of this 12-year-old girl, Stephanie Johnson, and and there were pictures of her in her family home. This was a sixth grader who was found in a Malacca school bathroom on April, April 27th. She was airlifted to a Twin Cities hospital and died four days later. Her parents are now speaking out about conversations that they had with their with their daughter. Uh, the mom told people told KSTP, um, she said that the kids at school told her to go kill herself, which distressed me a lot, Melissa Johnson, Stephanie's mother, said. I made some phone calls to the school to notify them and to make them aware that this is not okay. This is not just bullying. They're telling her to harm herself. But Stephanie's parents still believe that bullying at the school is to blame for their daughter's suicide. The the words, just the words, um, Chad, Johnson, her father, said someone told her to go to the bathroom and kill herself, and that's what she did. We were told that once we got these bullying laws in place that this kind of stuff wouldn't happen. There, and, and we told you that that, that was wrong, that that would be inaccurate, and, and that's exactly what happened. So Malacca, like every other school in Minnesota, has anti, an anti-bullying policy that says we aren't going to bully each other. So we're going to help students who are bullied. We're going to try to include students who are left out. And the bottom line is those policies are worthless unless you're trying to follow them. I am not going to second guess these parents. I imagine the hole in their heart is so big and I know it will never, ever, ever go away, but they should get answers. I would have pulled my kid out of school. I would have refused to 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 allow my kid to be in that kind of environment. And you're wrong if you think the school can fix this kind of thing. And you as a parent have to step in. And we have had other situations, other stories that have been told recently go on social media. And when I say that suicide touches almost everybody's life, it does in one in one way or another, some more personally and closer than others, whether you're talking about a college kid. I remember I had a, uh, when I was in high school, there was a girl who was 16 years old, maybe just turning 17, and she was thinking about going to college, picking out what college she wanted to go to, um, and her parents knew something was wrong. Well, she tried to kill herself. They found her, put her in the hospital, and she actually found a way to kill herself in the hospital. Susan Reed, I, I still think she's buried in Sunset Cemetery. I still think of her every time I drive by it, which happens to be every Monday because I play golf at the at the golf course across the street from it. But it's 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 just it's just so crazy. You have to look out for those warning signs. You have to reach out. You have to do something, and you have to try to get them help. Don't count on them to reach out because most of the time they've gone down that hole. They've gone down that hole and they're not going to be able to pull them pull themselves out of it. And in fact, half of the people, half of the people who die by suicide didn't even it wasn't even known that they had some kind of a of a mental health problem. And and the the CDC study is really really interesting because it talks about um how Women, who, this is an example, women who make up 16% of those with known known mental health problems commit suicide, but 31% of those with mental health problems commit suicide. So, so sometimes you don't even have to be labeled or diagnosed uh, as having a mental health problem. Uh, and folks, I cannot, I, I cannot tell you enough how how important it is that you reach out to your friends because I can't count how many times I've heard afterwards, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't 
do anything. I well, didn't the thing is, too, anything. it seems like mental health is obviously getting better over the years, and and but it also seems there's a, there's always been controversy with the medications too, because you watch a oh, lot of the sure. commercials. Hey, this will give you demonic thoughts. This will increase your risk of suicide. Right. You know. So how much is that playing into it as well? I think a lot. I think a lot. The side effects from some of the medication that people are given, I, I think you're just asking for more trouble. But again, it has to be um, it has to be a coordinated effort. It has to be with your family, with your school. You can't with your doctor, with your mental health community. You can't just rely on one thing and think, OK, the school's going to take care of it. My but church is going to take care of it. My this, doctor's going to take care of it. I think people that are in that position or at that point of their thought process. I don't, you know, obviously they're not thinking straight and they're maybe not wanting help because of the way they feel or the way they're acting or, you know, so you can offer it sometimes and they refuse. And then, you know, that makes it a more difficult situation. And what's the point where you step in and say, Hey, something has to be done. We're dragging your ass in. You know? I know. I know. I wouldn't hesitate. Uh, so the number's been out there, everybody, one 800 uh, 273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. If someone you know is suffering or seems to be battling some demons, uh, do something. Reach out, do something. And don't just take their word for it either. Uh, don't Because those, those battles are so, so, so hard to fight. Okay. Um, I don't want to talk about that depressing anymore, so I thought we'd move on to the next depressing topic, uh, the legislature. <laughs> because Politics in well, general? <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. Um, because I have, so many, I have so many things that I wanted to talk about today, and I wasn't here last week. Thank you so much to Colin Wilkinson. Colin's out uh, with his drummer, with his drum, out at the parades. He was in Hugo this morning. I don't know where he is this afternoon. Have to hang on so. tight to those sticks today. It's a little wet out there. Oh, for sure. Um, but I just wanted to get a few more things in um, because I wasn't here last week. And so I'm just trying to tuck things in wherever I can. The 2018 legislative session is over. There were 3,493 House and Senate bills introduced. 82 bills were enacted into law. Uh, 15 full vetoes and one line item veto out talking to people on the street, not up at the Republican convention, not with um, my Republican friends or conservative friends. Uh, the bottom line is people are furious over Mark Dayton's vetoing the tax bill. And one thing, uh, of course, they're worried about their own money because they're not going to be able to keep as much of, of their own money. But but us. Um, a surprising thing happened because because of all the talk about taxes in Minnesota and because of Governor Dayton's veto and because of Donald Trump. Thank you, Donald Trump. Because of Donald Trump um, reforming taxes on the federal level, people in Minnesota have realized that they are overtaxed and they're not only realizing that they're overtaxed from from the upper levels from the upper tax levels in Minnesota, they understand that Minnesota's lowest tier tax rate is higher than the highest tier tax rates in 23 other states. So 23 other states don't tax the snot out of the poor people in the state or the poorer people in the state. Um, with the veto of the tax bill, it also means that the local government aid program remains unchanged. So the estimates for the 2019 uh, local government aid distributions, you can find them on 
uh, either your House or Senate page. You can find them at the League of Cities, Minnesota Cities. Um, the 2019 distributions were frozen at 2018 levels. I, I want you to hear this number. The reason that I brought this up, because I want you to hear this number. The 2019 distribution levels for local government aid are frozen at the 2018 levels. $534.4 million. Million dollars. And that just drives me absolutely crazy. And the Republicans, thanks for nothing, Republicans. The Republicans were trying to give them what, $50 million more? So I guess we should kind of thank Governor Dayton for that one. Uh, the one that made me the most angry was the omnibus pension bill. Governor Dayton had a big signing, and everybody went to the Capitol, and they said this is going to save billions. It's going to help secure the retirements for the 511,000 workers and their families in the state of Minnesota. Myron Franz from Minnesota Budget and Management, Management and Budget, uh, MMB, he said the minute Governor Dayton signs the bill, $3.4 billion of the state's unfunded liability, that's future debt for us, will be eliminated. The I don't think people realize that the retirement systems in Minnesota each year provides pension benefits totaling $4.1 billion dollars billion dollars there are 172,600 people roughly who are collecting pensions from the state of Minnesota over 4 billion dollars Ramsey County your portion of that is 310 million Hennepin County your portion is 400 and uh 437 uh million sorry million $437 million. And yes, the bonding bill made me angry too. So it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Andy Selick's going to call in Minnesota Voters Alliance. They have an awesome project that they're working now uh, and a lawsuit. And of course, we're waiting for our Supreme Court ruling to come down. Stay tuned, everyone. Lots more coming. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. everyone thank you so much for tuning in i'm sue jeffers this is the sue jeffers show did you hear that stan she was eaten by an alligator the mosquitoes don't sound so bad now do they <laughs> no, no they don't <laughs> or the wood ticks they, i heard earlier that they um caught one of the alligators that was down there and they cut the alligator open and they found an arm in it i mean can you imagine That's disgusting I know. I have friends of mine who live in Florida. <laughs> My sister lives down there. I just, yeah. And plus, the bugs are giant down there, too. Yeah, and the scorpions. You know, all the dogs. states we could live in. Why, yeah. why would you go there? See, the taxes are all worth it. Oh. We don't have alligators. No, no. There are other states where your money will definitely go further. <clears throat> all right. Coming up in just a minute here, Andy Selick's going to join us. Uh, Andy Selick, Minnesota Voters Alliance. Andy Selick and I are the plaintiffs. We're, we're the ones. You've heard me talk about our case. I am so excited about it. 
in February, we went out to the out to Washington D.C. and the United States Supreme Court heard oral arguments. And I just know every Monday I work myself up into a frenzy on Sunday and Monday, thinking this is going to be the week. This is going to be the week. The Supreme Court's going to rule on our case, and we're going to win. And then it doesn't happen, and they release some other cases or case that that isn't ours but i know it's going to come out but just because i'm excited waiting for it don't think andy selick and the folks at the minnesota voters alliance have been sitting around doing nothing because oh no they have been busy so let's get andy selick hi andy welcome to the show Hi, Sue. Thanks. And a great introduction. <laughs> and and it's true. You know, here I am so excited about this case, and I know you are too, but you guys have not been sitting around. You have been busy, 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 nonstop. You want to tell us what you've been up to? Uh, well, sure. But as you were talking about the T-shirts, it was just dawning on me. Can we wear a shirt if we win the lawsuit at the Supreme Court that says Simon sucks or <laughs> Russians, Russians are, are great hackers? <laughs> I don't know. That's passive speech. So that's a really good question, Andy. I'll tell you, I'm going to talk in in the next hour, I'm going to talk about the DFL convention down in Rochester. And some of the stuff that Simon's going around saying is just so ridiculous. But why don't you tell us now what the Minnesota Voters Alliance is working on, and we can get into all that in just a minute or two. Okay, well, just uh, first, I should, I should, I'd like to mention to you and to our listeners that we've had a uh, seven- or eight-month lawsuit. Uh, in addition to the Supreme Court lawsuit, we've had one here in Ramsey County District Court. It's uh, the Minnesota Voters Alliance versus Steve Simon, the Secretary of State. And what that involves is we've submitted a Data Practices Act request to asking for all the public voter data. And just like Secretary of State Simon did to the Trump Election Commission, they denied us uh, access to the public voter data as well. But, Andy, uh, but just, it's public. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and that's what we're, we're arguing in court. And we won the first round, too, when uh, Judge Frisch, Jennifer Frisch, denied the secretary's motion to dismiss. So now on, on June 22nd at 1.30 p.m., it's a Friday, we're going to have a, probably a standing room only crowd down in Ramsey County District Court. And we're hoping as many people as possible can come to really witness what the Secretary of State and his attorneys are really doing to keep the people from knowing, um, you know, any kind of results or if our elections are credible or transparent, right? So we won the first round, but to give you, your listeners, an, an idea, the legislative auditor came out with a report. A couple months ago, Sue, and they showed that 26,000 people who were marked challenged on the roster, these are people that were already registered prior to Election Day, and they were marked challenged, meaning they failed one of the nine eligibility checks, who voted, while, meaning they self-certified, they just swore they were eligible, while the auditor's office only looked at a small sample of 612 of those that were marked challenged felonies. And this is a year after the election, too. Keep in mind, the elections were all certified right after the Hillary Clinton-Trump, you know, November of 16 election. I don't, you know what, Andy, I'm going to stop you for just a second because I don't think your average voter understands that. So you've got all this stuff going on. 
uh, uh, shortly after the election, the Steve Simon goes in, certifies these election numbers as being accurate, and they haven't even verified that the people who are voting should actually be voting, have met the requirements to vote. And I find that absolutely astonishing. So now you're talking one year later, one year later. and One they, year later, right? they looked at 612 of the 26,000 who were marked challenged. Okay, prior to Election Day, meaning they failed one or more of the state's eligibility checks. So the auditor's office looked at 612 of them. And of those, this is a year after the election, the auditor's office was only able to determine that 19 were eligible out of the 612. And believe it or not, through the auditor's report, didn't even mention the other 25,388. That's astonishing. They didn't even, and that report didn't even include the 352,000 same-day registrants who aren't checked till after the election as well. That's just unbelievable, Andy, unbelievable. And I want to thank Minnesota Voters Alliance for going out and try to get this data. Um, it's not surprising that Steve Simon doesn't want to give it to anyone, is it? <laughs> no, but you know, you know what his answer is? You know what he tells the court? What? And this is why it would, shouldn't, it would be a fun afternoon for anybody who has Friday, uh, June 2nd, June 22nd available to come down. He's telling the court that he has discretion to give out this uh, data, which is not, we're not asking for Social Security numbers or driver's license or, you know, any kind of private information. But he, all the data we need, when somebody fails the test, on those 26,000 people who have failed those tests in the past, they won't even give us information on those people once they fail the test. Now, does it make sense that if you really truly want to find out who voted while ineligibly, the data that we want aren't the people like you and I who are marked active. It's the, the data we want is on the folks who failed the test right. and voted. And right. that's what they don't want to give us. Simon tells the court that he has discretion and this is the unbelievable part. He, I don't know how anybody can do this with a straight face, but Simon and uh, Nathan Hartshorn, the attorney representing Simon, who's actually from the attorney general's office, um, how they can say this with a straight face that the people of Minnesota, to the people of Minnesota and the court, that the Secretary of State has discretion to give out this voter information, this public voter information, to anybody they want, whenever they want, without even telling them why. That's just crazy. What's he hiding, Andy? What's he hiding? What's he hiding? Well, you know, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't want to talk about any of this ineligible voting. All Simon cares about is one thing, registering more and more and more and more voters, right? And that brings up the other topic that I, we, we've, we've had some email exchanges. I think the Republicans have missed, shifting gears a little bit, missed a huge opportunity in the last couple months. As you know, there was over $6 million allocated to Minnesota from the federal government for right. cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Well, Secretary of State Simon is claiming that we need those federal funds because the Russians have attempted to hack our elections. Right. And in his press release last month, he said, and we know they're coming back. <laughs> we need these funds. Our democracy, he said, failing to allocate these funds is a direct threat on our democracy. And you know what's interesting, Sue? I found a Star and Tribune editorial from last September, and he was quoted. He said, Department of Homeland Security confirmed to my office that there was no breach and no attempt to breach Minnesota's election system. That was last September. 
And now in May, he's saying the Russians have attempt, are attempted to hack our elections, and we know they will be back. I have tried to sound the alarm without being an alarmist, Simon said. I am today again sounding the alarm. Well, that's why I wanted to call your show, Sue, and thank you for having me on. I'm sounding the alarm. And the alarm is the opposite of the alarm bells that Steve Simon is ringing. Right? The alarm bells I'm ringing, trying to ring, are truly a direct threat on our democracy. And it's Steve Simon is the main culprit. I agree. Standing in the way. I agree 100%. It, I want everybody who can to try to make it to the Ramsey County Court uh, June 22nd at 1.30. They can go to the Minnesota Voters Alliance. They can go to my Facebook page, find information for where they should go. It really is. I learned, <clears throat> Andy, I learned so much when I was with you guys over this all the years with this lawsuit uh, that went all the way to the United States Supreme Court, I think this case has the possibility to go all the way to the Supreme Court, too. And I think it has even even higher um, an even higher potential to to impact so many people. And, and every time I hear them talk about how our our elections are so honest and so above board and so full of integrity, I just want to throw up. And I and I even I just got a copy of that auditor's report and to to watch them certify elections when they have absolutely no idea who these people were that were voted, let alone to look at the same-day registrants' voters. It's just astonishing. And I cannot thank the Minnesota Voters Alliance enough for all the work that you guys do. What a great group of people. By the way, at Old Mexico a couple weeks ago, that was a hell of a party. I had a blast. Thanks. It was so great that you could come. And thanks for keeping these issues uh, you know, on the forefront. I mean... We have a lot of work to do on our, the Republican side as well. I mean, you got Representative Tim O'Driscoll in the in the House and Representative Kelly Fenton. These guys, you got to watch more closely than Simon. I Every, know they rubber stamp six million dollars to Simon to get this uh, to get these federal funds with with without Simon uh, without him producing any evidence that right. there's Russian hacking. In, fi- in fact, we find out last September when he told the Star Tribune that there was. Not only no hacking, there was no attempted hacking, and that's what the Department of Homeland Security told, uh, you know, told Simon directly on the phone. Yeah, and now unbelievable. Soon, and these cronies like Tim O'Driscoll and Kelly Fenton just rubber stamp this guy every time. And I encourage any of your listeners to go to a House Election Committee sometime and watch these guys in action, too. And it is it will it will boggle their mind how these people could have ran for a Republican endorsement and a Republican seat and won. I know. I know. They vote like Democrats. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And in fact, so, Andy, do you, you put together an awesome video for the party a couple weeks ago. Is that up at the Minnesota Voters Alliance website? No, we wanted to tweak it a little bit. Um, oh, okay. Because, because that was kind of just, we, we abbreviated that just to kind of show the, the, the crowd we had and um, I'll get on that, Sue. It did come out pretty well, but we want to tweak it a little bit. We put that together really. You can also, like Andy said earlier, you can go watch some of the committee hearings from the Elections Committee. It was unbelievable to see what they tried to ram through. And these are supposed to be the guys wearing our jerseys. Give me a break. Yeah, Sue, so when I started listening to you five years ago, and I've been listening ever since, or six or seven or whatever, when you were back when you were on David Strom's show, and you used to talk about these legislators, 
and how incompetent some of them were. And, yep. and, and, and I, quite frankly, Sue, I didn't believe it. There's no way they <laughs> as incompetent as you're saying. And now I, I see it so clearly. Burn. Welcome so to my world, work, Andy. Sue. Thank you. Really appreciate it. You keep us posted on what you're up to, okay? Yeah, thanks, Sue. Thank you. Bye. Uh, all right, we're taking a quick break. When we come back, you want to hear stupid? I got a long list of stupid. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have told you repeatedly that I stopped voting for Democrats probably 15 years ago, that I I won't vote for a progressive or a socialist or a collectivist or any kind of authoritarian that wants to wants to get out there and be a nanny state activist masquerading as a politician. We've seen a lot of crazy stuff happening, especially at the local levels, but also at the state and federal levels. I've told you before that Democrats are wrong on the role of government. They're wrong on taxes. They're wrong on spending. They're wrong on health care. They're wrong on education. They're wrong on labor. They're wrong on welfare. They're wrong on amnesty. They're wrong on the environment. They're wrong on voter fraud. They're wrong on net neutrality. They're wrong on identity politics. And I just ask people over and over and over again, how big do you want big government to be? Is there any part of your life that you don't want uh, want government interfering in? And we are seeing some really uh, crazy things just being pushed out into the into the well it's going to impact the election this year and you're seeing a lot of it happen um, especially at local lo- elections uh, in on your city councils on your county commissioners on from your county commissioners from your mayors from the the some of these obscure offices that generally fly under the radar and I just put up a post a little bit earlier today that the on Facebook that the um, who was it? Oh, Pioneer Press. Pioneer Press put out an article talking about how Ramsey County Commissioner Rafael Ortega, one of the most long-standing members of the county board, is facing two challengers in a political uh, primary this August, and another longtime county commissioner, Janice Repman, uh, as well as a Ramsey County judge. Remember, we never give up our right to vote for judges. Um, are all facing primaries and and this is just absolutely astonishing the problem comes is everybody on the ramsey county board are democrats i know one pretends to be a republican he's not don't let him lie to you because he's not and you all know i ran for ramsey county commissioner twice and i don't want to sound like hillary clinton or anything here but i'm a little bitter that i lost twice just a little bitter i can't believe people in ramsey county were so stupid that they didn't vote for me but we'll save that for another day um i'm encouraging everyone to pay attention to these races and go out there and find out who these candidates are and 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 make sure you vote for the correct candidates the ramsey county commissioners have the audacity the audacity to they just introduced their salary ordinance again and as if they're not paid enough the ramsey county board of commissioners think in 2019 that they deserve yet another raise did they just get one a couple yes, years ago yes they did it was Dan. like what 30 percent or something it was astonishing well this time they want another 2.5 percent they actually think they're worth ninety-four thousand seven hundred and thirty dollars. Well, i, I would have voted against that so 
you know what? They're grossly overpaid, excessively overpaid. But you'd take and it. I, no, I would have worked hard. I would have I cut it in half. I would have cut it in half. It, it's just so crazy. The county board chair, 97696 And, folks, it's already it's a done deal. They'll bake it into their budget, and, and they'll rubber stamp it. It will pass five to three or no five to four or it'll it'll pass easily and um oh blake will pretend he voted against it but he doesn't <laughs> care because it's already rubber stamped i'm interested in it. too what's the met council in the soil and water thing you were going to talk about oh yeah 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 um the 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 auditor which andy was just talking about the auditor came out with a report um on the Minnesota Board of Water and Soil Resources. So this was released June June 5th, and the Minnesota Board of Water and Soil Resources is the state agency responsible for the improvement and the protection of the state's water and soil resources. It works with local organizations and private landowners to accomplish its mission of conservation. The Office of the Legislative Auditor, this is the second audit that they've done on this organization, and they determined that the internal controls at the Board of Water and Soil Resources were not adequate. The board lacked the necessary cost accounting rigor to ensure compliance with significant finance-related legal requirements. Though most grant and easement transaction complied with legal requirements, payroll, and other ad- and other administrative costs. I, I let me read that sentence again. <laughs> Though most grant and easement transaction that they tested complied with legal requirements, payroll and other administrative costs lacked appropriate controls and did not follow established state policies and requirements into law. These were these all came up the first time they were audited. They fixed nothing. They squander money. They don't follow. They don't follow the laws that were put in place to make sure that they had uh, proper fiscal oversight. Uh, they did not properly resolve conflicts of interest. They just go ahead and do whatever they want to do. It's just absolutely crazy. They didn't have imp- uh, appropriate controls to ensure compliance with funding use legal restrictions and oh their accounting sucked too so <laughs> i mean it's just it's yeah it's just crazy and nobody pays attention to this stuff under dayton's minnesota we can pretty much go through every agency and find these kinds of things happening but the one that made me the the most um the the probably the most uh, upset about all of this kind of stuff was the St. Paul Public Library announced a number a summer series at the library called Drag Stories Hours as oh, no. part of its We Belong Together initiative. So at this at this year, you can go to Drag Story Hours and it's a new summer series on cross-dressing that is open to children and adults. <laughs> Drag pushes people to break boundaries and explore creativity. Chad Campy, a Minnesota activist who organizes queer-friendly events and is promoting the series at the St. Paul Public Library. At a very young age, we are taught to embrace our differences. Drag not only provides an opportunity to embrace who we are, it allows for us to broadcast and share who we are with the world. 
There are three events coming up, June 11th, June 16th, and July 11th, which, by the way, will be live-streamed on Facebook. You should see the pictures of these of these uh, drag queens that are coming to read to the, to read to the children. Uh, it's, they're using public infrastructure as a vehicle to advance social justice morality. This is not new in Minnesota. Uh, in 2017, they worked uh, really, really hard to change the school districts, so the school districts, districts are promoting promoting racial equity. Uh, The drag queen story hours are generally 45 minutes of stories and crafts and close with a big dance party. The drag queens will pose with the children for pictures at the at the end. Uh, Well, the parents are in charge. So if you don't want your kids to go, they don't go. If if it's okay with you, they go. So to quote intellectual takeout, I don't think they're going to be reading Little House on the Prairie. Right. <laughs> anyway, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't take my kids, but I might watch it on Facebook Live because I'm curious. Yeah, but you see. always say the Pride Parade or whatever is really fun. Oh, so, I had a blast. You know, I know I had a blast at that. Even talking politics. Oh, for sure. I just, I just don't dismissing think it belongs in Dismissing stereotypes, the... Sue. Dismissing stereotypes. That's all they're oh, trying to do. Oh, it's not a stereotype. It just doesn't belong in our public libraries, and it doesn't belong in our kids' faces. So there, Stan. Okay, when we come back, we'll talk about the out-of-control Democrat convention. I'll tell you about the Republican convention, too. And I'm interested to hear any of your comments that you have, too. Looking forward to Sean Toll joining me. Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.